Hello and welcome back to the Verity Podcast. This is episode two of our series on The Matrix, and we'll get right back into it. One of the important characters in the movie is Cypher. He's this guy who has been unplugged. He knows the truth. He understands. He knows that he was a slave. He knows he was plugged in. He knows he had the white life force being sucked out of him. But he hates the reality so much that he's willing you know, one of the open scenes is him and Smith sitting there eating, and he's eating a steak, and he's just enjoying it so much and talking about how good it is. And so he's he's negotiating terms by which he's going to betray Morpheus, and he's literally talking and, and negotiating with Smith, and he says, well, I want to be someone famous. I want to be an actor or someone that, you know, makes lots, with lots of money. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to be letting, laying in a tube with plugs in you, and, and you're negotiating what kind of like video you want to watch in your brain while you're being <laughs> it's like it's like are you serious I mean it, it, it's it's so ridiculous but yet he was so enamored he was so I couldn't let go of this because it's what I know and it, I'm comfortable with it it's so powerful and that's that's the problem that you see with a lot of people who don't really they can't let go of the system, and they don't. And, and it's the same thing with the Jews, and and how you know when, when they were brought out of out of Egypt, out of slavery, they were more comfortable with the slavery. This is more comfortable. I know what this is like. You know, I actually had food to eat, I had water to drink, but you were being slaved, and you were being worked, you know, till beaten, and you were, yeah. But I had food to eat. <laughs> you know? There was predictability. There is consistency. Yeah, it was. It's kind of the same thing as in Shawshank Redemption that uh, I remember Morgan Freeman's character Red referred, had a whole monologue about how the walls of the prison were funny you know, first you hate them but at at some point you started to depend upon them and it just, it was so sad to see that happen as you see later in the movie that one man commit suicide when he got out because they were so used to being a part of this prison a literal prison and a terrible existence but they couldn't handle being free and it's it's the same idea as when morpheus apologized to neo for pl- unplugging him so late in life because they they, us- they usually didn't try to unplug somebody who's that old because the mind has trouble letting go of the system uh, it's just a sad reality that at some point we're creatures of habit and we get tied into doing something that we've always done. Mm. And the vast majority of the people on this earth are not ready to be unplugged from the system and their mind yeah. is not ready to let go. And it's it's a sad truth. I mean, Jesus would say things like, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. What that implies is that there's some people who are just not going to be able to hear what he has to say. If you can, then listen. If you can't, well, sorry. He didn't go begging them when trying to say, well, let me water this down for you so it's easier and less painful and and more like what you're used to. He's like, no. (laughs) I mean, quite the opposite. In fact, you know, Jesus would always say, you know, when somebody, I think there was one person who said, I'll follow you anywhere. And he goes, are you sure about that? (laughs) <laughs> He's like, foxes have dens and birds of the nest have an air, but I don't even have a place to stay. You sure you want to follow me? He's, and then there was another parable where he was talking about you need to count the cost because this is going to cost you something. 
He didn't try to make it easy for folks to follow him. All he offered was the truth. He's right. not going to say, hey, it's going to be great, and we're going to have three square meals, and everything's going to be great, and the matrix, uh, we're going to we're going to kick those machines, you know, rear ends, and he's just like, no, I'm just offering the truth. Just like Morpheus, I'm just offering the truth. And the truth isn't always pleasant. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Anybody who's really lived, really tried to live a red pill existence within this world or tried to live as a, as a Christian that's fully awake, it's not a pleasant existence most times. I mean, you're finding, you're constantly fighting. You're constantly being, well, I mean, you're, Jesus, you know, Jesus was, he would, he'd say things like, well, if they call me a sinner, what do you think they're going to call you? <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing. And people, religious people call you out and say, well, you're causing division or you're doing this or you're doing that. I mean, they said the same thing about Jesus. He's causing division. He's causing, you know, he's causing problems. And he's like, they're ta-. so it's it's not a pleasant existence, but it is it is the truth. It's the only existence that has hope attached to it. There is no hope aside from it, and I think that's the key. And it isn't always bad. I think it's just like exercising. It's just like being outside, going camping, for instance. It's not always fun camping. <laughs> it's not always fun. Sleeping in a tent ain't that great. Maybe your back hurts. You don't get to shower. You don't always have the best food. You got to go poop in the woods. I mean, all of those things are negative. Those That's not fun. It's not always a fun existence, but you can experience life. You can experience nature better than being that far in the woods in order to have that. So it's... I'd say, more accurately, it's an existence of extremes. Extreme mm-hmm. suffering, but extreme highs and extreme joy beyond what you could possibly have from the Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's true, because everything else was kind of like a... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a deadened... The joys are not... I mean, the joys you get from porn isn't real. And it's it's not it's not that great. It's not the same as the joys you get from sex that can in a heterosexual married sex. I mean, it is way way better. But it's like you know, I'm offering this lesser thing. But what you were talking, you know, I I was thinking about our trip up into the Tetons, and I'm like, you know, you climb and you're backpacking, and you know, we're climbing up this this literally. Well, it was it actually the Continental Divide the, that that one pass that we pat, we climbed over and there was still snow there and it was mm-hmm. and it was it was awesome but it was it was scary and it was hard and it was it was the climb was not easy. Um, there were bears. There were you know I mean there was there was all kinds of stuff that we were seeing and and whatnot there and. Um, but you wouldn't trade that experience. Oh for my goodness, it was <laughs> one of the best. I mean, some of the you, uh, most beautiful country I've ever seen on God's earth before in my entire life. I saw, and and it wouldn't have been the same if I'd stayed back in. I mean, in that same trip we went to Old Faithful, and there were like 30, 40, 50 huge buses of people that were coming and parking in this massive parking lot to see Old Faithful, and it shoots a little water up every once in a while, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to say Old Faithful is not cool, okay? It is cool. It, it, it's okay. But, my goodness, the, the beauty of, you know, those mountain passes and, and seeing the moose out there and seeing the bald eagles flying over the over Lake Jackson, you know, seeing, uh, you know, those mountains, it was just, it was unlike anything that we've ever seen, climbing over that pass and, 
just seeing seeing those those mount, high mountain lakes and I mean yeah sleeping on hard hard uh, hard rocks and whatnot you know those those were not the pleasant part my goodness the highs were high um, the suffering was real but the highs were very very high and I think you're tr- I think it's a great analogy with mm-hmm. the Christian life the suffering is real and there's going to be a lot of hard stuff but the, the the highs are really really high they're real and they're real they're That's not fake the key. They're, they're not real fake. yeah you're not eating a fake steak like cypher you're eating you know it's a real thing so the other thing i want to talk in and, and, and while we're still talking about cypher and i think this is an important point that we need to make true as well and i know this may step on some toes for some people but let me just read hebrews 6 verses <laughs> 4 through 6 so it's not me talking, this is, this is the Hebrew writer talking, inspired through the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. So, Cypher, he had been set free. He saw the truth. He knew what was happening. And yet he's like, you know what? I want this false reality, not the real reality. I'm choosing. He tasted all those things. He saw the goodness. He'd probably been to Zion. He'd probably seen the other humans. He'd seen what was there. And yet... He betrayed them, and he and he was like, "I'm because I want this false thing more than I want this real thing," and he betrayed him. And it's like, there's no hope for him. You he's, can't he's do inc- anything for somebody yeah. who thinks that way. Can he? Yeah. You, you're gonna unplug him from the matrix again, right? No, there's no reaching somebody at that point. When you see it in that context, it's not as ridiculous. Like, oh gosh, well God's gonna give up on somebody, and I'm like, no. He's, they've given up on God. Mm-hmm. You can't God's go back offered, from that. God's offered his very, very best and has, has said, he's like, he's just what else it, do you have? He's like laid it out there for him and saying, this is what I have for if you. If they've really seen you know, it all. I mean, the Hebrew writer says it. He's tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. I mean, I can't we think dream of, of those things yeah. about the powers of the coming age of what it's going to be like tasting the goodness of God, what it's going to be like to live in his kingdom where there is no sin, where there is no pain, no death, no suffering, nothing negative, only good where God's will is done. We dream of that. And it's like if you've tasted that, if you've gotten a taste of that, and then you say, ah, screw that, I don't want that. I mean, what else has God got to offer for you? There's yes, nothing. You're done. He's, he's, off, he's giving you his best. And you've rejected that. And you said, no, I'm not interested in that. He, what else can he do? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's not going to make you like, I'm going to force you to love me. No. He doesn't do that. Sorry, Calvinist, but he doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything more sad than that. I mean, I imagine that grieves God more than just about anything that has ever happened. Because, yeah. It is very sad to think about. But once again, I mean, that's a, that's a passage that really bugs people. But when you think about everything from a heavenly perspective, when you think about things from the perspective 
that's kind of given to us through the matrix through the movie it really makes sense and it's not this to me it's not this really really hard passage that I got to think about anymore I'm like it's it's just obvious it's obvious that you can't help somebody like that that doesn't want your help he's done I mean it, it's just as straightforward as possible and I don't think that the scenario that we're talking about here is the same as some guy who grew up in the church and who had whatever he's from with whatever denomination and he got a really bad version of Christianity and he said screw that I'm done and leaves it's not the same thing it's like oh well that kid's not done forever I mean C.S. Lewis was in that situation and he came back <laughs> but I, I think it's very specific that we're talking about people who have truly seen who God really is. I think that's that's important. And that's I think that's one of the reasons this bothers people is because people in that situation they're not necessarily done. Maybe that process of leaving the church in some cases is better off because they're going to have an easier time finding the the truth than inside of the wall sometimes. Yeah, that just happens, but well, I know this may bother some people to even mention this, but <clears throat> if you consider the fact that you have someone who might be like in a cult, like an actual cult, hmm. they're clearly not finding the truth, but yet many of those have like a, a Bible centered yeah. basis to their cult, and, and but it's a cult, and you're not going to find the truth in that cult until you leave that cult. So that's not, leaving the cult is not the same thing as what Hebrew writer is talking about here. Okay, I don't want to equate denominations and some of the churches as being the same as a cult, but in some ways there is a lot of similarity there. You may not be able to get to the truth because churches, so many of these churches have systems. And they're, 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 they are their own system. They have their own hierarchy. They have their own sect of the Sadducees running things, Right that are worried about, you know, or jealous about someone else getting more power. And, you know, so many of these people talk about, you know, this, they judge themselves based on the size of their congregation. Oh, you had this many people in your church today. Oh, your contribution is this much today, you know. So they're, they're, you have to be careful. And I don't, I don't want to, certainly don't want to paint with too wide of a brush, but there are plenty of examples of certain churches that you really should not be, in and you need to get out and you're not going to find the truth just like you would in a cult. So I want to transition from that and talk a little bit more about the analogy to me that, that I think is probably at the heart of the coolest thing about the Matrix in my mind. The idea that the Matrix was not real, it was a, but, it was, but it seemed real, it feels real, it's a physical thing. I mean, literally you get hit in the Matrix and you feel it. You get shot in the matrix, you die. You get, I mean, it, it in every single way, it feels just as real as the life that we're living and, you know, the table that I'm touching. Everything there is just, it, it's, it's exactly the same. Um, the matrix is, is analogy for this world in, in reality. And when you are unplugged and those that have been unplugged from the matrix, they're more in the whole thing with Zion uh, versus the machines and the war that's going on, whether it was intended or not. And I really don't know if it was intended, but I feel like whether it was or not, 
it sure seems like a really strong metaphor for the spiritual warfare that's going on between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Satan. So I think I think that that's that's really I mean that's that's what I think is one of the cooler parts for me of the entire movie is this this notion that you have what is what you think is real and what actually is real. And so you know I think there's a clip here where it's you know Neo is is, is we're talking to Morpheus and he goes this this isn't real and Morpheus is like well what is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you feel, taste, smell, or, t- or see, that then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. And I think they were they were really discussing the the, the concept of reality there, and and just trying to help him understand that just because something feels real doesn't mean that it actually is real in this in this sense. And one of the passages that comes to my mind when I think about this is 2 Kings chapter 6, and verses 15 through 17. So the, the context here is that you have Elisha and his servant, and you have, you know, Jerusalem is being surrounded by this, this huge army that's invading. It looks like, I mean, that for all intents and purposes, they're done. I mean, they're, they're just going to get wiped out, right? And so we pick up in verse 15 of chapter 6, and it says, Now when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, This is hopeless, my master. What are we going to do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for for those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. I want to pause right there because it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, do you not see thousands and thousands and thousands of these this army amassed against us, against a few pitiful people here in the city? Are you kidding me? How do you, what do you mean how many that are with us are greater than with them? Verse 17, then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. The Lord opened his, the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so <clears throat> there's a reality that he saw, but there was a greater reality that he did not see until God opened his eyes. And that greater reality is more real than the reality that he could see. Mm-hmm. Because in, in this, if you continue on the story, I think they, that, that army was wiped out. I mean, if you're talking about an angelic army versus a, a human army, they have no chance. I mean, probably one angel can wipe out a human army without much trouble, but in, an entire army, uh, angelic army like that, yeah, they, it's it's yeah, <laughs> it's not going to end well for them, and it did not. I think that's the thing that we need to think about is in all of these things that we're talking about, there is a reality that we cannot necessarily always see that is more real than the reality that we can see that we're forced that we're being forced to live in for for the time being we're forced to live within the matrix we're forced to live within the system i mean we're forced to have a president that we're not going to like regardless of which one it is probably right i mean we're we don't have a choice We're, we're forced to live here but yet at the same time we don't necessarily we still have to hold on to that hope and 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 knowledge that there is a greater reality that is 
absolutely more true than what we can see in, in, in this life. And that's, that's where your hope has to be anchored. That's where my hope has to be mm-hmm. anchored. If your hope is not anchored there, then I don't know what you, yeah, I don't know how you can hold on to any hope. I mean, your hope has to be anchored in, in the larger reality. In well, the story. this reality is not permanent. It's a temporary reality. What we're told is that it's going to be, well, it, it's going to be transformed like a seed is transformed into a plant. You see that analogy all over the Bible. But in order for the plant, for the tree, for instance, to be grown from a little seed, from a little acorn, it has to die. So this world is not going to survive in the state that it is. But the other reality will always exist and has always existed. So, yeah, that's why it's, it's the most real. And let me summarize this part <clears throat> really with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. This is Apostle Paul speaking here. And he says, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So Paul's basically saying if you only have hope in, in this world, and I think there's another passage that we could have added here where he talked about if, if we have hope only in this world, we're to be pitied most, more than any other men. Mm-hmm. If, if, if we only have, if the dead are not raised, if there's no hope, if there's no larger reality beyond this, then what's the point? I mean, let's just go ahead and plug in and try to get be famous like Cypher and just... He has the best I mean, idea if that's the case. I mean, Cypher's right. If there's no, if there's no greater hope, if there's no larger... If there's no chance of them winning, right? he, he, he had the right idea. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and in this context, Paul is arguing with people who, for whatever reasons, were arguing that there is no resurrection of the dead. <laughs> and he's like going, are you kidding me? He's like, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then what are we doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what he was. Are the point that Paul was arguing here is he's like, if there's there's no resurrection of the dead, then you're just wasting your time, man. You're dead in your sins, and it doesn't matter what we do here anymore. Just go plug in and have fun, right? But we know that's not true. We know there is a larger reality, and so that is where our hope is has to be anchored. So, given that, I guess the the the, the part that we what does that mean for what does that mean for us or our listeners i guess yeah and this i mean that's a whole other topic in in a lot of ways of what what you do with that but i think it does you can boil it down to uh, a couple simple points and i think romans 12 says it better than i ever could in particular um romans 12:1 through 2 therefore i urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, if we're going to have a prayer in this existence, we have to constantly know the truth, focus on the truth of what's going on, and constantly be in a process of conforming our mind and being less attached to the matrix and more attached to the reality 
with through God. Well, and and I, I would I would say I think it's extremely important. And one things I've counseled people before, and I know you have a channel that you had had at one time. I don't know if it's still active or not, where you talked about the it always question everything. Mm-hmm. So we know. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of facts that we've uncovered here that we've talked about. Number one, the ruler of this world is Satan. He is in charge of the system. And <clears throat> so when Paul talks in verse 2 where he's saying, do not be conformed to the pattern of this, there is a pattern to this world. There is a, pa- there is a, there's a script that you're supposed to follow, and you're supposed to fall in line, and you're supposed to do the things that you're supposed to do in an orderly society and, and those in power, those in charge of the system have this script and you are supposed to follow it. And, the, and there are consequences if you choose not to do that, for sure. So, but what we're being called to here is to not conform to the pattern of this world, not conform to the script because the enemy is the one who wrote the script. <laughs> So don't do what the enemy is telling you to do. Don't follow the pattern of this world. And how do you know what is of the matrix and what is of God? And, I mean, the simple answer there is you will know everything by, by its fruit. Everything that we were talking about, the fruit is death. <laughs> Period. And you can tell. It starts off with just this tiny little bit of a high, a little bit of a positive, and it always ends up in death and destruction. And usually the kingdom of hell, everything, the solution to every problem is always death. And whether it's a death, of, whether we're, we're not just talking about physical death. We're talking about the death of dreams, the death of marriages, the death of relationships. I mean... Death is is broader than just a physical death of the right. body. I mean, death is it, it's much it's a much bigger, more nefarious um, enemy. Death is, and and so yeah, that that is what the kingdom of hell brings is death, and that is the fruit. I mean, the fruit of pornography is the death of your marriage, or the death of your you know sexual desire, or the death of I mean, so many of these different things we're talking about. There, it brings a death. It may not bring a physical death. But it brings about a death of, of sort and, well, and kind. it's killing a part of your humanity. Yeah. A part of who you are as a human being is being... That's, it's, this whole thing, that's what really works in the Matrix about being in a vat and having the life force being sucked out of because that's what we're really talking about here. You're actually... Who you are as a human being, as a image bearer of God, is being robbed from you. Every time you align yourself with the kingdom of hell in these ways, you are losing a part of yourself, a part of your humanity, is being ripped from you. And it's like your soul is being sucked out. And that, I mean, that's really what's going on. Your humanity. We're being dehumanized. All of the things that we're doing on a regular basis. You look at the commonality between all of it. It's dehumanization. Well, it's an attack on the glory. And I mean, there is a glory that God has given to mankind. And mm-hmm. we have a glory as image bearers of God, as sons and daughters of the King. Um, and this is an attack on that glory. Glory is, I used to think of glory as being a negative, you know, glory hounds and people that seek glory but I'm like there's a glory 
that is a godly glory. I mean, God is has glory. I mean, mm. and His glory is good, and His glory is real, and He has given us His glory as as His sons and daughters. And you know, when you give that glory away, especially cheaply, then it's, it's an in, you know it's an insult to what He is is the gift that He's given. So yeah, we you need to I, I guess in in conclusion and talking about this and. We want people to be thinking about, you need to question everything. You need to understand if the system and the culture and society is telling you X, you need to stop. You need to think about it. You need to pray about it. You need to look at it from the lens of Scripture. You need to look at it from, and you need to probably maybe even do some investigation. I mean, I'm talking about anything. If the culture is telling you, you better get this vaccine, well, you need to stop. Don't just, it's like, oh, yes, yes, sir. I need to get this vaccine. You Stop. Pause. Pray. Think. What's the fruit? What is, what is, what's really, you know, what is really happening? Am I being controlled? You know, what's in that vaccine? Um, how was that vaccine made? Is that vaccine work? You know, there's, there's a whole lot of questions you need to ask. You need to ask those questions. I'm not saying what the answer is. I'm saying you need to ask the question. I'm just using that as one example. Right. Uh, of what we need to do because in reality all of this and another one of our not to go too far into another completely different thing but another show that has a lot of meaning in our family is the show once upon a time and one of the the climax the final the last season the final battle you know you had the black fairy mm. versus the savior and you know and they were going and they were talking about this final battle and they were all thinking and preparing for this physical battle. And they saw this vision of this, you know, her getting stuck by the sword and there was gonna be this physical battle and that was gonna be the final battle against the Black Fairy to for, where the Savior was gonna die and all this stuff. And in reality, when the final battle happened, the, the whole battle happened within her mind, you mm-hmm. know, and it was a battle for her mind. And it was a battle of if she stopped believing, if she stopped and, and gave up hope, then the black fairy evil won. That's how right. evil would win was when she gave up hope and she stopped believing. So it was all of the battle was happening was for the mind. The battle, you know, in the matrix was for the mind. It was about who's controlling the mind. Is the matrix and the machines controlling your mind? Or is your mind set free and you now see the truth and the reality of what's happening? The battle is for the mind. And that is true for us in, in this life. The battle is for the mind. Who is controlling your mind? Who are you slaving yourself to? Are you slave to righteousness, as Jesus talked about, or are you slave to sin? You're going to be a slave to somebody. Who are you going to be a slave to? And and so that's the question that, that you have to ask is, is who's in control of your mind? And the other thing, and I think this is a big part of what I want to be doing and what I think is our calling, and I think, frankly, the calling of every Christian is, you know, you're not, there's some people in the matrix, you're just not going to reach, you're not going to unplug everybody. Jesus did not save every single human being that he came in contact with. And we're not, if we're not going to either. But what we are called to, our mission is to go and preach the gospel, to, to give people the good news. In essence, to free their minds. We need to get people to start thinking different we need to have help them to not be conformed to the pattern of this world help them to be re, have you know the renewing of the mind in Romans 12 to be to think differently to question things 
to understand the larger reality of the spiritual world versus versus the spiritual world versus the physical world. Understanding the enemy is is the one who's actually in the, the the ruler of this world, and that he has power over those who are still plugged in. Um, he doesn't have power over us, and I think that's an important point that you made. Mm-hmm. He does not have power over us. We are part of the kingdom now. He didn't have power over the machines. Didn't have power over Neo or Trinity or Morpheus or any of you know of those folks. He didn't have power over Only us. the amount of power that they gave them. Exactly. And when you believed in the system, when you believed in the world, that you're breathing real air, that you're walking on a real place, and you're actually in New York, you were that, just even participating in that idea, you were giving them some amount of control. And what Neo did when he was able to stop bullets and fly and all of this insane stuff was he was willing to and had faith in the ultimate reality that it wasn't real and it was simply an attempt to control him. And if he chose and was able to not believe that, to believe in the truth, you say, well, 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 none of this is real. There is no spoon, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember in, in, when we, the last time we watched it, I picked up on that. I never really, I guess because I, I never heard him say it, because when they're in the elevator and they're going into the, the building, the fortified building, to try to rescue Morpheus, and they're, he's sitting there with Trinity, and they're about to let the bomb on the elevator go, and he goes, and, and they're about to you know fly up and try to get to the floor where Morpheus was. Neo, very, very brief, you know, very whisper. He's whispers. There is no spoon. There is no spoon. <laughs> he's telling, he's reminding himself, you know, this, this isn't, isn't real. real. This is not real. And therefore, I can do whatever I want here. And it's interesting, and I know we talked about this and, and didn't have it down as something to say, but I remember talking about this and we are saying, in many ways, Jesus, he was able to do things because he understood that this is not real. Mm-hmm. And the power that he was able to wield through the Holy Spirit, he was able to walk on water because it wasn't real. It's not real. It's not real in the same way to him. It was not real. He could do things. And I. And this well, goes into a whole different thing about Jesus being Jesus. As it, scripture teaches us that Jesus emptied himself of his divinity when he became fully human. Otherwise, you know, it was kind of pointless for him to be tempted. He couldn't be tempted if he was God. So he, he had to be human. And so you ask the question, well, how did he do all these miracles? Well, the simple answer is he had the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit is all of his divine miracles, everything. He had a, a connection to the Holy Spirit it was deeper and more complete than any human has ever had. But yet Jesus, was he God? Yes, he was God. But he was not God in the sense that he did not have the divine power. You know, his miracles were being done through the Holy Spirit. So if you're talking about the fact that this isn't real, if we have that connection to that larger spiritual reality, Jesus himself said, he said to his disciples, he said, you're going to do even greater things than I did because I'm going to the Father. And so the question is, do you believe that? It's like Morpheus tells Neo that he can he can jump from this building to this other building. But if he didn't believe it, he couldn't, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he fell. And so it wasn't until he started to believe that he could. That he started to believe in those things and, and, and see... You know, there is no spoon. 
when he when he was asking Murphy he says what are you saying you know when I can that I can dodge bullets and he's like no he says when you're ready he says you won't have to and mm-hmm. and we saw that he's like literally stopped the bullets I mean he got shot but it wasn't real because his mind was able to say this isn't real mm-hmm. and and so it's it's really important um, for us to understand there's no just like Neo there's no limit to the power that he has I'm not aware of any limits i know people may feel this way and i think we limit ourselves just like neo did but i don't i'm not aware of many limits satan wants us to believe that they're that's the whole thing that that's the core of the matrix they want you to believe that you don't have any power but it's not true Mm -hmm. every single human being within the matrix had the power to defy the system probably even when they're plugged in to some degree and yeah they were able to defy the system and but satan does not want us to believe that we have the power once again because of what jesus did because of the resurrection and the ascension the power has been returned back to humanity and if you align yourself with jesus if you truly have done so and you have been renewed through his blood then you have all of that power and all of that authority with you, and there is no limits to what you are able to do within his power. Satan wants every one of us to continue to believe that there is, but it's not true. There is no limits. I mean, there's clearly no limits to God's power, right? And he, there's no limits to his goodness and the things that he's given us and he's given us the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit is fully God, mm-hmm. fully God, fully powerful, fully capable of doing anything that any of the Trinity can do. The Holy, and the Holy Spirit has been given to us to live inside of us. And it's like, okay, seriously, you've got the power of God inside of you, literally, literally. We have the power of God inside of us. And yet the only limitation that we have is what we our, believe. our belief in that power, our belief and our connection to that power that, that is within inside of us. And I think that's how Jesus was able to do the things that no, because he, he believed and he knew and he had that connection to the Holy Spirit that nobody else had. Can we get it? Yes. Do I have it? No. <laughs> I wish I said, could say yes. But it is something that, you know, I think that's something that we all need to be seeking. Well, that's, that's, that's a good place to, to talk about the last point, to kind of end this. I wanted it to become practical. We're kind of up in the air here, but I wanted to make it a little more practical. The thing is, there's no light switch. It wasn't a light switch for Neo to change, to really believe the truth that the matrix wasn't real and that process was a difficult one his his body wasn't used to living to existing in the real world they had to rebuild him he had to be completely restored into a new person in order to do that and that's a process and when he tried to jump that gap in the matrix the first time he fell and i think all of us are a part of that process and you know i think that verse in Romans 12 here, that process is, you know, we're being transformed and renewing our minds. That's not, that's an ongoing process. It's a constant ongoing process. And we're going through that. 
and I'm more and more aligning myself and, and choosing to believe in the ultimate reality. And we're all on that journey. And that's a process of looking at your life, what is attached to the matrix, what is attached to the system of control, what can I remove from the system of control, and what can I put back under the authority of the kingdom. And where am I conforming currently yes. to that system? And, and where do I need to, where, where, where am I conforming? And, and where do I need to look at and question and say, you know what, I don't need, I don't, I, be, I don't, I shouldn't be conforming to that. I need to be, the way you can do that is, again, you have to question, you have to renew your mind, you have to continue to be seeking. And I know a lot of the things that I'm currently conforming to the world in, and I know that it's happening. But it's a process, and it's not something you can just cold turkey get off of. It's something that you have to take the slow process. And, you know, I, I check with God, and I'm like, okay, he's always telling me where is the, where in my life do I need to work on? And everybody's got frontier in their life that they need to be working on. And it's it's a slow process, but I think... And it's a process that won't ever really truly be done until the restoration of all things. But it's a process that we all get to participate in and slowly become better and better and better and better. And yeah, that's that's the process. It's slow. It doesn't. It's not dramatic, and it's not always fun. But well, and I would add one other thing is that you're not alone, and you're not doing this by yourself, right? Because God is involved in the in in making you into creating you. He is molding us. He is shifting us. He is a partner in this process. If we want, if we allow Him and we invite Him into this process, He wants to be part of that transformation of helping to renew our minds. And again, it comes back down to we have to. This goes back to the core of what we Verity is all about. You know, Jesus said, "You will know the truth, and the truth is will set you free." It's truth. Truth is ultimate. It is in, in all of this. We have to we have to be plugged into the truth. We have to understand the larger truth, not the truths of this world and the rules of this world. I mean, there's rules in the matrix, right? right. And the world wants you to understand those truths, but there's a larger truth. And the larger truth trumps those those truths that the, the world would have you um, they're not truths. They're 100% yeah. lies. Right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Verity Podcast. That's all we got time for today. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.